Okay, friends, Andy Jenkins here, continuing the talk on the soul. So really, we've been discussing soul healing for, I think we're on episode number three, talk number three in the most recent series here. And I'm not going to backtrack where we've been. I would just say right now, if you've not listened to the previous episodes, the previous two, uh, this one will completely stand alone on its own. However, it will make more sense, I think, if you go to the previous two. On one of those, I talked about the importance of walking into the light, not hiding the clutter, not hiding the junk. And in the previous one, so in the second, uh, I discussed the idea that so often one of the things that keeps us from the light is we feel less valuable the more imperfect things become. Now, we talked through all of that in two previous talks, and so uh, I would encourage you to go back, listen in, and catch up. This, this one will stand on its own. Uh, however, again, those are helpful. Uh, also, before I get going, I would direct your attention to the show notes down below. If you look there, there are a few things for you. Number one is the free 10-question uh, PTSD self-check. It is 10 questions, yes, no answers, and it will just help you assess, hey, where am I in terms of this world of emotional health? Uh, now, you might recall in the previous episode, uh, we said, hey, that, that is a sliding scale. It's not like any of us are 100% healthy or 100% unhealthy, and it's not like we're 100% healthy emotionally or 100% unhealthy emotionally. We all exist somewhere on that scale. And so this will help you identify, hey, hey, where am I? And what should I do to move forward? And one of the best places that I would suggest that you start is the free, the link is also down below, uh, Best of Soul Wholeness Audio. That is the seven lesson audiobook that I put together. It's from a larger audiobook that I have, but I pulled out some of the nuggets there. There's an intro about soul health and wholeness, and then one lesson on the three common soul wounds that many people deal with. In fact, I would be surprised if, uh, I, oh goodness, I, I, I would hate to say, but the vast majority of us, I really believe deal to some degree with all of these. And then after talking through those, we give you one lesson each on how do we move forward in healing? How do we walk in wholeness? And so we kind of identify the wound and then let's heal it. Let's get whole. All of that is available down below for you. Uh, now, I, I want to talk in this episode about four ways you and I can deal with hard things. Four ways. Um, previous episode, the reality is life is beautiful and life is hard. At some point, we've got to learn to deal with that hard. Here's where this lesson comes from. Several years ago, it was back 2011 or 12, somewhere in that ballpark, I'd taken one of the boys to a counselor and he had been walking through some difficult times. And the counselor, she, she really used this analogy to make things make complete sense to me. Her name was Kristen, K-R-I-S-T-E-N. So I'm sitting there in the room with the boy, 
and he was playing kind of off the other side of the room at the time. It was a play therapy session. And she uh, Im- imagines blowing up this balloon in her hands, ju- just like a balloon you would have at a birthday party. So she says, imagine life being like this. And so she's, you know, blowing up the balloon. Every week, work goes in. Uh, some things of the family go in. Uh, a car breaks down. You deal with something, a health issue or something financial or something with, you know, the in-laws or a relationship. Now, all these things aren't negative. It's just more weight that you're dealing with. So more goes in that balloon. Now, what you see is at some point that balloon is beginning to reach max capacity. Now, you, you can't flex all of it out of the balloon. Inevitably, there are things that have to be in your schedule every day. Work is going to take uh, 35, 40, 50 hours a week for the average person, plus getting ready and the travel time to get there and getting back home and then coming down. Yet you have to have time to eat and you have to have time to sleep and you've got other things, getting the kids ready and taking them to school and the carpools and all the stuff is going into this balloon. If you've got friendships or you're married and you've got a significant other, again, it's, it's not negative. It's just things could be even neutral that require time and space that fill this life balloon well to some degree Kristen said you know, stuff goes in and stuff comes out stuff goes in stuff comes out it's it's fine but at some point if you don't watch it it can get to the point to where it's not fine it, it can get to the point uh, I don't know if you can hear in the background I've got like the trash truck just came by because I'm recording on the back porch here on the back deck and so uh, I think the guy is driving around forwards with his reverse hazard uh, alarm on uh, he, he might <laughs> he might hit his limit there for the day I don't know uh, that's what you're hearing So she says, to some degree, it's fine. Stuff's going in, stuff's coming out. But there are certainly these seasons where too much comes in. And if you don't manage it, if you don't don't have some buffer there, then three options kick in. Option number one is you explode. The balloon pops. Um, This takes uh, the view of so many guys go to this, you know, just anger, just an instant outright pressure builds up. You just let it out. You, you, you yell, you scream, you feel like you've dealt with it. Although in the dealing with it, you've left a lot of collateral damage behind you in the rear view mirror, but it is a way you can deal with the pressure is when too much gets in your life balloon, you just explode. And in a moment, just in a, it's done. The second way that people deal with it is 
they make noise. They shrill. They squeal. Now, now, so you imagine this. Now, she didn't have a balloon there, but she did the sound with her mouth. I'm not even going to try to do the shriek, but you, you've, you've done a balloon before, and you squeeze the top. You pull the top together. We should be blowing in, and it just makes this squeal, this streak, just this prolonged, like, fingers down on the chalk nord. It's a, it's a protracted, shrill, just this high pitch gradually letting some air out and you intentionally drag it out to be nerve-wracking um in doing so you don't just pop you for a extended period of time control the narrative through your temperament about what other people should think and feel about the situation of what you have going on it's kind of the classic Karen response if you're thinking about that or if they've even still used that name. I don't even know how poor Karen got her name to be used there. So option number one is when the life balloon gets too full, you just explode. Option number two is this long, protracted, shrill, squeak, just this uh, angst. The third option is you just let go of the balloon. It blows off. It just disappears. I remember being a kid, we'd blow up the balloons and then just let them fly off and see where they went. And then we'd blow it up, let it go, fly off, see where it went. Blow it up, let it go. The bigger you blew it up, the more pressure it had and the farther off it would fly. This is the classic response of people who hide. They take flight, they disengage, they disappear. Um, I've seen guys that do this, just too much pressure builds up. They get tired of dealing with the kids and dealing with the carpooling and dealing with all the clutter of what's going on in the week. And so they just kind of check out of their own family. Um, but it's not just that women are the only ones that shrill and guys are the only ones that do number one, explode, and guys are the only ones that do number three and go off and hide. I mean, we could all do any of these at any given time. And sometimes we do kind of a mix of all of them, but you kind of get the idea here of three unhealthy ways to deal with pressure. The better way to deal with it is this. It is to create a buffer. To intentionally craft margin into your life, recognizing that you have a certain capacity and your capacity may be different than my capacity. Yours may be greater in some areas and mine may be greater in other areas than yours. And then back down from those outer limits. I remember during that season going back and forth to the counseling appointments, doing all the other things that I was doing, this counselor looking at me and saying, hey, you're you're nearing your stress ceiling. That's what she called it. She said, your wife is clearly beyond her stress ceiling. The kids are all approaching theirs. There's this just underlying pressure that's building up not only in you, not only in her, not only in this kid that's in the counseling, but in, in like in the whole family, like there's just this pressure. And at some point you've got to back it down so that you have room because inevitably things are going to come up there are going to be these pressure factors that present themselves into your life with regular frequency, things that are out of your control. You know, I, I used to think uh, when things slow down, I'll do, yeah, in, fill in the blank, X. 
when things shift <laughs> or say, hey, this is just a season. When this season's over, I'll... But, but the reality is when this season's over, the next season has its own stuff that comes with it, right? And when the next season comes, because that one passes, that season has its own stuff. And when the season after that comes, uh, well, the next season has its own stuff. And, you know, there's always something. So the best thing that you and I could do is, is not just push through. When you're constantly living in a season of struggle, a season of stress, at some point you have to say, hey, you know what? This, this is no longer a season. <laughs> this is a way of life. And the factors that are causing the stress may be changing the kind of air that's going into the balloon may be shifting from one kind of air to the next, but the ceiling, the pressure, the maxed out balloon um, is no longer a season. It is a chosen way of doing life. And so her suggestion was create margin, give yourself space to flex, like eliminate some stuff, take some stuff off the table. I, I remember during that season, what I chose to do is really taking her advice to heart, taking some advice from some other friends, and, and hearing the same thing from multiple areas is I just said, you know, hey, for this next season, our family is not doing any outside of the family extra activities. And, and so by that, what I meant is, if we were in a small group at church, we canned it. If we were in activities like sports, we just tabled them. I, I remember going with one of my daughters, Ivy, uh, she was really involved in gymnastics at the time, and we rolled down to the coffee shop one evening, sat outside, got some coffee. I think she got some hot chocolate. We're sitting there. It's about 7.30 at night. It is this just clear, easy, good weather night. And me just explaining, hey, we are going to pause everything. Not, not forever. Like right now, your gymnastics is not a no forever. It's just a no for right now. Uh, and, and she actually asked me, well, can we, can we choose a day like where we'll get back into it? And I told her, absolutely. Like, we're just going to do this for three or four months. So we're going to take off this next semester, you know, during school. And then uh, right after that, we can get back into it if you choose to. So it created this space where we could just kind of hunker down. Uh, we could create margin uh, by taking some things off the schedule. You, you know, you think about it with your kids, every extracurricular activity they don't have to be in. They don't have to be in two or three sports year round. Uh, you don't have to be in all these extra hobbies. You don't have to be in these small groups. You don't have to be in all these extracurricular. You don't have to be in, you know, you fill in the blanks of all of the stuff that we think is so important. If it disappeared tomorrow, not all of it, but just some of it, just for a pause, to create margin, to create bandwidth. Life would still go on. And, in fact, you might find that some of those things that are creating a lack of buffer, a lack of margin in your life right now, may very well be things that you choose not to return to. I remember... Ivy, when it came back to time to re-enroll in gymnastics, at that point, she was interested in volleyball. And so she just decided, you know, I, I think during this next semester, I'm going to play volleyball instead of gymnastics because I can always go back. 
And at that point, she chose not to go back. She picked up something new that she might not have been exposed to had she just continued going. So the creating of the margin, it created space in that moment where she could make better decisions for her in the future while living out with more buffer in the present. You see, margin is this. Margin is the gap between what's required in your life and what you have available left to give. Let's say it again, because you might have to sink it in. Margin is the gap between what you have that's required in your life and what's left that you can give. So if, if you have a capacity of, let's just use kind of numbers because we can think about this. If you have a capacity of 100, but what's required is only 70% of your time and 70% of your schedule, 70% of your money, 70% of your energy, your focus, you have 30% margin. That, that's a lot of buffer. Now, now, I realize I'm being overly simplistic <laughs> sometimes uh the margins different in different areas of life we have you know maybe maybe less time and more money or less money and you know way less time or you, you kind of figure it out but often what's happening is we're already 100 tapped out and then we try to figure out how to cram more stuff into it Here's what I'm saying. Hard times are going to come. That, that's not a doom and gloom thing. It's just the, the reality of Jesus saying in the upper room to the disciples, in this world you will have trouble. Uh, now he goes on to say, but take heart, I've, I've overcome. In this world, tough seasons are going to happen. Uh, this is why Paul says all creation groans with birth pains as if waiting for the revelation of the sons of God. It's why James also says, hey, count it all joy when you go through trials because it's creating something that can't be obtained any other way in James 1. Like there's just this affirmation that tough seasons, tough things occur. Now, again, as we discussed in the previous episode, when you face an imperfect situation, it doesn't mean that you're less than perfect. It just means you're in a tough season. You're in a difficult situation. However, knowing that, and just using the analogy of a balloon, and, and knowing that when too much pressure hits that balloon, it's going to, number one, pop, or number two, it's going to shrill and squeak or number three it's going to just let it all out and fly out and zoom off and hide and knowing that due to the demands that you have on you and obligations and responsibilities with your family with your job with your friendships with the relationships of people at church or the workplace or closest to you in some way doesn't it make sense now to build in the buffer my prayer for you 
is that the Lord would bless you, the Lord would keep you, the Lord would be gracious and shine His face of favor on you, and may you have the wisdom to see where you can find margin, where you can find buffer in your finances, and may He bless you with an abundance to where it's easier. May you find margin in your time, your energy, your focus to be able to look and concentrate on the things that matter the most. May you find margin in your schedule, in your time, and may he multiply all of those things. Grace and peace. I'll see you soon.